Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Translation, I need to act really excited when the guys who are taking my place are doing as well as I would be doing and threatening my future with the team. Let's go! He's happy. Would you stop? He's very comfortable in his position on the team. Dr. Zumit strike it on a Monday. All right. I was just having some fun yesterday. I like how they can make that look like an actual comic strip. Well done. It is impressive. Um, Okay, so uh, where do you want to go, Doctor Dumith? Well, I want to I want to put one final pin in what we were talking about just a few minutes ago with the PED suspensions for both Will Fuller and Please. Bradley Roby. Six game suspensions knocks them out for the rest of the season and actually infringes upon their free agency because they'll be suspended for the first game of next year with their new team or with the Texans again. I, I here's what I want to know. I want to know how forthcoming the Texans were with the Packers or anyone else. Yeah. When when there were discussions about a trade for Will Fuller. Because here's how it works. If you're considering trading for a guy, you have the power yes. to contact the league and right. find out if that guy is facing any potential Available discipline. for suspension. Think, right. right. And any well functioning NFL organization should be making that call for any and every player that it's considering signing or especially trading for giving up draft assets. Right. For. But you know, it's, it's, if you don't ask, they don't tell. And, and I just, I just can't help but wonder whether or not Texans interim general manager, Jack Easterby either doesn't understand the rules or thought all's fair. Maybe we can unload this guy before we lose him for six games. I'm just curious. It's just, it. I just, there may be a story behind the story because why would you even start down the path of having trade conversations for a guy that you think may be wiped out for six games if you're the Packers? You're not going to have those no conversations. Way. He's you're in right. the last year of his contract. There should have been no conversations. Or the conversation should have ended with, no, this isn't about whether or not we give up a third-round pick or a second-round pick or what we're going to otherwise give you. This is about whether or not we're going to get the guy on the field this year for more than a week or two. So it just it, it invites speculation about what the Texans said, what they didn't say, and whether or not the Packers were even aware of this before it all fell apart. And yeah. maybe it's something they would have they would have done their due diligence after they knew they were going to make the trade happen and then it would have fallen apart. But either way, this isn't something that just popped up yesterday. This has been around. And we're not that far removed from when the trade window closed. Right. I just think that that there's a story out there that maybe will eventually be told. I don't know. This is, you know, there's two types of journalism in the NFL. There's the stuff that's going to get announced anyway. Congratulations on letting us know five minutes early. And then there's the stuff that they never wanted anyone to know. That's where the meat is, Chris. 
And uh, there may be there may be a, a little sliver of hamburger flying around on this one. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised there. I, I mean, really, in, in my heart of hearts, you know, when I first saw this and all the news about Will Fuller, I, I right away went, well, there's why it never got real, real serious with Green Bay and Will Fuller. I just thought, hey, Green Bay is a pretty smart organization. I, I think they probably got close and made that call to the league like you're talking about. It's not on the Houston Texans to tell them and go, hey, you know, that's that's not their job. Hey, we're offering a guy to trade. It's, you know, I know it's not I, gr- great I know, business ethic. I, I know it's it's it, that that's my that's but right. that's why I'm I'm intrigued by it. Yes. What did the Texans decide right. to do? Did they decide to just keep their mouths shut and hope that the Packers were going to screw up? Because even if it's fair and appropriate, something like that leaves a mark. If you pull that off. If you if you dump a guy onto a team that's unsuspecting and doesn't make the phone call and you get a second round pick or whatever, yeah. yes, it's all's fair, but you know, it's a relationship driven business and that would have I think been a real problem for people in Houston, not just with the Packers but with other teams if they, if they had pulled something like that. I'm just I'm just curious, how far did it get? What did the Packers know? Did they make the phone call? Would they have made the phone call? Some yeah. of these things we'll never know. But uh, it, 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 I just think the fact that a guy, one of the only guys with significant name recognition and, and that created some fascination, whose name was on the trade market, ends up being a guy who gets popped for six weeks to end the season. It just invites further research and, and journalism other than just waiting for a text from a coach or a GM five minutes before they announce that they're going to cut someone or sign someone or something like that, which is 98% of the journalism that we see in professional sports all right uh chris watched the film i i I will admit i was busy with other things yesterday i didn't go back and watch the chiefs buccaneers game i'm not going to pretend that i did it's all right i defer to you for this today chris don't worry you watch the game closely we can talk about this a lot so don't there's a lot of things to talk about here well we the game was on at 4 25 p.m eastern as we're getting ready for a tv show so i didn't watch it closely thank (laughs) you for the effort but i saw the highlights does that matter but uh you you looked at it more closely. Right. We talked yesterday about the misguided effort of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to put single coverage on Tyreek Hill. You took a closer look at it. W- why couldn't they stop this guy? Was it as simple as there were very few people not named Jalen Ramsey who could cover Tyreek Hill? Right, exactly right. And you know, there, there's a there's the okay, we could put him on an island, and then there's like, whoa, we're gonna put him on an island. Right, even like Stefan Gilmore in his prime, yeah, he was on a he was on an island against Tyree Kill, but when it was man to man, this safety was still over in his direction just to scare Mahomes a little bit. Wait, is he helping him and doubling him? Oh wait, he's still there. I can't throw the goal. There was no presence or help for Carlton Davis a little bit. Now, hey, the first long touchdown, that was covered three. The out and up touchdown just like that. And that's all on Carlton Davis and just that hey, that it's Tyree Kill, it's Patrick Mahomes. Let them have the eight-yard out route. That's not your job to stop that. There's underneath coverage that needs to get there. Don't bite on that. He bites on that. You know, then you know, Tampa got caught into a little bit because this is where Mahomes and company have changed. You know, we've talked about a lot where the teams that drop back and play zone and keep them to stop the deep pass plays and all of that, that's how to beat them. Well, Kansas City's had so many teams attack them like that. We've seen now. They can throw the short game just like they did in the Raiders and go 10-play drives and be surgical as good as anybody in the game now. So you can't play that approach. And Todd Bowles had some moments where, yeah, he wanted to get five rushers, blitz, and he left Carlton Davis in some tough spots. Um, uh, You know, and and it's just it's too much to ask of one guy. Carlton Davis is a really good football player, but there's got to be an element of disguise or at least a body presence of a safety in this type of matchup to at least scare a Mahomes a little bit. And that's really where they dropped the ball and didn't make any adjustments really until the second half where they started to do some different things. And that's what I'm fascinated by. I, I wrote a post yesterday at PFT based upon our seat of the pants discussion yesterday about the 500 club Patrick Mahomes seemed destined to be member number 19 and Ben Roethlisberger has three 500 yard games in his career Tom Brady has two Drew Brees has two most of the other guys just have one and there's some strange names on there like Elvis Gerbach is in the 500 club yeah but Mahomes eventually will get there but when you get 362 in the first half 
of a game. You assume the 138, 138, 138 is coming. 138? Yes, 138 is coming in the second half. 138's nothing, especially when you had over 200 in the first freaking quarter of the same game. What happened in the second half? What did the Bucs do differently? What did the Chiefs do differently to cause that record pace to be disrupted? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's not a whole lot. I mean, it's not that I sit here and just go, oh, my gosh. I think I think Tampa got into, okay, let's stop wasting our time and blitzing five, which is I have a pet peeve with five-man blitzes because they they don't get home that much, and I want to just go, that guy maybe would have helped on the Tyree Kill touchdown pass to have a double cover there. They did have some moments of where they doubled Tyree Kill, doubled, doubled Travis Kelsey, and some certain obvious passing situations. But, you know, still – you think about the end of the, the – the, it's 17 nothing. the strip sack fumble. They went right down the field. You know, this, they get the field goal right before the half. The second half, they have one bad drive. Then they get the ball. They go down and score a touchdown where he hits the 20-yard pass to, to Tyree Kill. Then it wasn't necessarily something where I looked at and you just go, oh, the Bucks are doing this or they're dominating. The Bucks defensive line started to pressure a little bit. And Kansas City just fell into a little bit of a lull, a little penalty, you know, first down run that didn't get many yards, second and nine. And that, that that's really all there is there to be said. I can't sit there and tell you it was some groundbreaking thing. You know, Kansas City took its foot off the gas pedal a little bit, got a little unlucky. Tampa played a little bit better. But what's amazing about, you know, Kansas City pedal go you know foot goes off the pedal oh wait we need a few first downs no problem we'll put it back on the pedal and get that and of course they make it happen if they could ever keep the foot on the pedal for an entire game chris they could yeah. have a thousand yards they could have a hundred points patrick mahomes would blow past nor van brocklin's single game passing record of 554 yards isn't that amazing in 1951 decades before they reconfigured the rules to enhance passing, Norm Van Brocklin had 554. And what's even more amazing is he has a game like that, and it takes the NFL 25 years to realize people may like more of that than the ground and pound and three yards in a cloud of dust. It took him 25 years to finally understand that balls flying through the air is more exciting than guys running in to a scrum of bodies. Yeah, it is amazing. And what's even more, I mean, really, 500 yards in that era, in the 70s or 80s, like really, what's that worth now? What is that worth now? I mean, really, it's it's like, I think comparable, you'd have to go, it's a 700-yard game. Like, that. that's what that is to me now. And to your point, you know, Mahomes and Hill and every, they left yards on the field. I mean, he he could have broke the record the other day. He could have thrown for close to 600 yards. He definitely could. And you know, to that, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. It's going to be that type of effort, unbelievable first half. And he just needed one or two more plays, and they were very close. Listen, it's 27 to 10. He's got a play action RPO fake. This is another reason the Bucks had to play man to man. They had problems with the RPO issues. He's got McCall Hardman going up the left seam. It's he's wide. There's nobody in the screen. It's going to be a walk-in 80-yard touchdown. He misses him. You know, so there's that play. There's a few others where you go, whoa, he hits that. Who the hell knows what happens in this game as far as stats and everything? But uh, they're fun to watch, and their offense uh, is, is it's the best in football. Of course, I don't care what the stats say. You give me one offense, I'm taking them. He'll eventually join the likes of Gerbach and Vince Ferragamo and others in the And Phil club. Sims. And Phil Sims, Boomer Esiason. Boomer Esiason almost got there twice. Matt right. Schaub in once, three yards away from a second. Wow. Uh, I don't know. They don't give you a second jacket. They just put maybe a different patch on your jacket if you're in it twice. But, yeah, Mahomes will get there, and maybe he'll break the – Long-standing record, nearly 70 years old, a 554 set by Hall of Famer Norm Van Brocklin. All right, uh, Tom Brady, as mentioned earlier, has two trips to the 500 club. No 500 club trips this year. Probably unlikely that there will be any, although he's sliced and diced the Vikings defense pretty much his entire career. Maybe his next game will get him to 500 after he has two weeks to get ready for it. Who do we blame? It's been 
you know, the, the, the topic of, of, of candor, criticism, honesty, passive-aggressive from Bruce Arians to the point where Tom Brady's got to be getting upset. Whose fault is it, though, for what the Buccaneers' offense has been through the first 12 years? Well, I, I, I don't want to, like, blame. There, there's still, to me, it looks like a clash of cultures here. There, there really is. You know, for me, well, what I see, and just being what's said here, you know, could Brady be better? Definitely. Could the Bucks maybe be better in how they talk to the media as a head coach and, you know, what they're doing offensively to make Brady more comfortable? Yeah, I, I'm sure they can be better. You know, there, there's, there, there's two things that jump out here, you know, first off to me, Mike. Hey, Bruce Arians made some comments yesterday about getting the ball to Ronald Jones more. You know, I, I believe Tampa wants to play the game of we'd like to run the ball Keep Gronk in the game. Cameron Brate from time to time. We get two tight ends, but always have a tight end and either two tight ends and two receivers or one tight end and three receivers. And we want to keep the run the ball and keep the ability to be aggressive passing the ball down the football field. I think that's what that's what Leftwich and Bruce Arians do. But I also know Tom Brady wanted Antonio Brown. Like I know that. That's him. I've been told by too many people I know in the business that. Brady is the reason Antonio Brown's there, which tells me he wants to spread it out and do the shotgun stuff and all of that. That's fine, but Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich aren't McDaniels and Bill Belichick. They don't have nine zillion ways to throw the ball six and seven yards to where Brady likes it. So that's the, the issues. And then I think the other issue you could throw onto this, Mike, for me, is Tom Brady has a pressure problem. He has a pressure problem. When people blitz him this year or people are around him, He's just not good. He panics. He can't move at all. And he doesn't move in the pocket as well as he used to. And it's not because he can't move. It's just like he doesn't do it as much. But either way, that's what jumps out to me. And when you miss the first four third downs of the game that were all third and six or less, I mean, I don't know. You're you're in a good position. Third down's a quarterback down. You got to make it happen. And there were, that was really the issues early on in the football game. Then the two interceptions, guess what, Mike? Blitz, right? Panic. Just throw it up. Oh, gosh. You know, and a few of these guys aren't even close and he's doing it. So that, to me, is also the issue, a clash of cultures. And then Brady is not performing well right now under pressure or with people around him, and that's leading to some, you know, stale moments for their offense. Remember the first time we noticed that? It was against the Steelers in Pittsburgh a couple of years ago. Yeah, the funniness. Where he bailed out and he claimed he was throwing the ball out of bounds right. and it got picked off. I mean, that, that's when he really embraced the live to fight another day mantra where he will bail out as he's throwing the ball or get rid of the football prematurely. The throw to Julian Edelman last year against the Chiefs while the game was still in doubt. Frank Clark bearing down on Tom Brady. Tom Brady does the throw it and duck and cover in one motion, and it's an inaccurate throw. I mean, when you're thinking about avoiding getting blown up by the guy who's coming straight at you, you're more likely to throw an inaccurate pass. And I think we're seeing that. And this gets back to the watch the legs, not the arm. Yeah. The arm in perfect laboratory conditions will continue to be there into his 50s. The legs are what will betray him, and he literally is being chased around by guys half his age. Yeah, no doubt. And and right. at a certain point, at a certain point, you utter the line made famous by Danny Glover in the original Lethal Weapon movie. I can't remember where I'm he too said old it for this. Although, exactly. Yeah. Uh, at some point, at some point, that is what you feel. That is what you believe, and that is when you say, "I've had enough." And yeah. you have to wonder whether those thoughts are starting to creep in. He plans to make it to 45. He's already made it to 43. Does he make it to 44? Well, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, listen, he can still throw the ball. He's still got a special arm. And you can still win and really be good with Tom Brady. I don't have any doubts with that. I, I don't. But to like what you're saying, you know, yeah, he can't move. And he's in preservation mode. He is 43. So you have to expect realistically that, yes, he's going to have moments of, oh, wait, um, there's, I feel like I'm getting pressure and I'm going to throw a ball off my back foot even though, okay, nobody's really close or, you know, overreacting to somebody about to hit him and then you overreact so hard that you throw the ball into the helmet of the defensive player and it pops up in the air and is an interception. You know, that, that's to be expected at 43. 
You know, you said it, the legs. And to me, the next thing you always look at is the willingness to stand in there and get hit. And Brady for 43 is still willing. But the other thing that's going to me where, and again, Brady can win and you can be good. There, there's no doubt. But like the excuse making for Tom Brady throughout TV right now is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's gone to another level. It, it's going back to, I feel like a few years ago with like the Eli Manning conversation. If you give them the best offensive line and the best receivers and the best defense and the best coaches and the best running backs, you can still win. What, I mean, well, damn. Oh, great. Well, let me play then because we can win too. I'll play. <laughs> let me play well, then. Mike Flory will play. Right. And that's where I just hear this BS God, that, that just is. drives me crazy right now. Um, as it gets back to the offense, and because yeah. one of the things we've heard from Bruce Arians, the idea that Tom Brady is the offense. He's picking the plays. He's right. calling the plays. He's saying what he wants. But he's not involved in the play design. That's the thing. He's limited by the menu. You go to a restaurant, they give you a menu. Agreed. What you want to eat may not be on the menu. Is that the problem here? I, I what he wants to eat isn't on the menu. I think so, a little bit. Right. This is where the, the no offseason and then maybe having another offseason together could really help them because he can really get in meeting rooms with them to go like, hey, we're missing these nine or ten plays in our empty sets that they got a lot of rules, and I know it was too hard to coach them or put them in our offense with the way this year was. And, yeah, that's what I've been trying to argue, you know. One, the team is not built to be, hey, Edelman, Amendola, Wes Welker, six and five yards. D Mike Evans isn't that guy. He's not. Chris Godwin is really not that guy either. He can do a little of that. Antonio Brown has an aspect of that. But that's not the way this offense was formulated. So player-wise, it's not ready for the spread it out, dink and dunk. And then, then play-wise, it's also not ready to be able to deliver that to Brady and just go, okay, be surgical. And nor I'm just with the other thing we need to keep an eye for is do they want to do that? Does Bruce Arians really want to bend to Brady and 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 Leftwich bend to Brady to play an offense that really they don't really believe in or never really have great experience uh in either. And that's I think going to be something to watch out for as we finish the season and go into next year. Uh, all right, from a quarterback who can't move to a quarterback who usually can move, Kyler Murray taking on Tom Brady's old team in New England. The Patriots, a week after not being able to handle Deshaun Watson, yeah. were able to handle Kyler Murray. You took a look back at that game. What did you see about how they were able to slow down one of the most dynamic and electric players that, that I've seen in my life in right. the NFL? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is interesting. And, I mean, I had the first thing, let's, let's talk about just the Kyler Murray-Deshaun Watson aspect of that, right? I mean, Deshaun Watson, not as athletic as Kyler Murray, but a better pocket passer and – Better at when people are around him, he could still make throws down the middle of the field and do those type of things. That's a get part of the game that Kyler Murray is a little limited in. You can't have it all, right? And one thing I'll say about Kyler Murray, you don't see a lot of completions 10 and 15 yards down the middle of the field. New England knew that. They didn't even guard that part of the field at times. But as always, the Patriots had a game plan, and it was all about one thing. And to me, it was... Don't let Kyler Murray run around on us and cause crazy plays. And I, the, that to me, the game plan showed if we could stop that, they felt like they could stop everything else. And that's where I get into the Kyler Murray and the Arizona offense needs to be my, more diverse and, you know, have other ways to attack you other than just being in the spread offense and him running around and making plays that way with quick throws and all of that. New England was all over some of their past concepts and – they just did a phenomenal job of their, hey, stand around, you know, rush five. They'd mush the middle, Mike, have three guys so Kyler Murray couldn't step up in the pocket. And then, you know, we see the three rockets up his butt. He sees the Red Sea part, and all of a sudden he rips off 30 yards up the middle. They were very cognizant of clogging the middle, and then the outside guys didn't really rush. They kind of just came off the ball, and they just evaluated his movements. And then when they tried to see him throw or do anything like that, hands were up and all of that stuff because he's a smaller type quarterback. And that's going to be another way as we see to defend Kyler Murray. But as usual, New England really well coached up on stopping the best thing another team does.
Yeah, and and look, Kyler Murray's production has dropped uh, since the Hale Murray. Yeah. Teams are starting to figure out how to defend him. It took a while. Um, and, and, you know, I think part of it is some defenses just assumed we can't defend fast and elusive. You can't effectively shut that down. But they have found a way, starting with the Seahawks, continuing with the Patriots, to maybe minimize the damage he can do, force yeah. him to stay in the pocket, keep him from from killing you that way. That's it, what it was. Plays, and it's, it was like once a game. They would set you up with that that read option where everything's flowing to the right and Kyler keeps the ball and just shoots through. We haven't seen that lately. No, we haven't. I know. And that's where you get into they need more diversity in their offense. Now, one of the things I saw from this game is they got into some two and three tight end sets a little bit because they're trying to limit New England from you know all the secondary people standing up and doing all this crazy stuff. But – I think that's the the real thing, you know, with 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 Arizona that jumps out to me. Hey, they got all the base plays and the, the offense is good, but Cliff Kingsbury is still new to the NFL, and I think he's still finding his way and tinkering. And I see more and more stuff, but the biggest thing is I'm seeing teams, as you've heard me say this the last few t- weeks, that there's just too many moments in games where teams are all over their past concepts. It tells me there's things that are predictable about what they do. And because of that, it's allowing teams to, you know, put more one more egg into the we're going to stop Kyler Murray from running around and making plays happen basket. And that's a, the big issue. And that's when I talk about, like, offensive diversity. Hey, I'm not talking like, hey, Jalen Hurts won la- one play last night. He comes in for two plays. And, hey, look, we're diverse. We did something else. No, offensive diversity, as you know, Mike, with great offenses like we see with Sean Payton or Drew Brees or Brady and back in the New England days or even Aaron Rodgers right now. Hey, one drive, we can go down the field with three wide receivers and never take them off the field. Ten, ten play drive, three receivers. Next drive, we can come out and play two tight ends, three tight ends set, one receiver, and we can drive down the field and do it that way too. That's offensive diversity, and I think that's the next phase the Cardinals need to get to to help out Kyler Murray and help him get on the edge. Where are the speed sweeps with Arizona? Where's that fake stuff? Where's the ability to create one extra step for Kyler Murray to get on the edge and 30-yard run and do those type of things? To me, they don't do enough of that stuff either to kind of really totally utilize his great talents. And uh, that's going to be a problem for this team that is now six and five. You take away the Hale Murray and all other things equal, they're five and six and struggling yeah. to stay in the playoff field. And it's not going to be an easy road for the Cardinals the rest of the way. All right, let's take a break. It hasn't been easy for the five and six Bears. It hasn't been easy at times for the seven and four Rams. Both of their head coaches had some tough words for their offenses. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Every freaking coach on the on the staff, every player, better wake up and start start understanding where we're at. 
have some personal pride, have a freaking sense, sense of urgency, know where we're at, have some pride into who we're playing for and why we do this, and, uh, and, then, and then go find a way to win as a team. That's my challenge to every single person in that building this week is that. And, and so uh, yesterday was flat out embarrassing. Um, and and uh, our guys know it. That, I'm not telling you something they don't know. They know it. But that performance yesterday um, is, uh, is ridiculous and, and, and can't happen. And, and obviously that starts with me. Matt Nagy not happy as he should be right. with the team's performance on Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers. And look, this is the Bears team we have seen for the last five weeks. They started 5-1. and one. It felt like it was a lot of smoke. It was a lot of mirrors. It was right. a house of cards, and the house of cards has collapsed the past five weeks. Their offense stinks regardless of who's playing quarterback. That's right. The issues are too many to fix on the fly. That was something that Nagy alluded to several weeks ago when they lost to the Rams on a Monday night when their defense scored more than their offense. Defense 7, offense 3. You can't just make your offensive line better like that. No. You can't get rid of this guy and replace him with this guy. Who do you replace him with? There's nobody out there. Right. You just have to keep trying to make chicken salad, and sometimes you realize that your efforts just end up in chicken stuff everywhere. Yeah. On every one. Right. And that's where the Bears currently are, and I, 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 I don't. Look, I, I think he's venting his frustrations, and there's not much he can do at this point. But, you know, the 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 Vince Lombardi, what the hell's going on out here speech doesn't work in today's NFL because uh, you either have it or you don't, and the Bears don't. And you're not going to all of a sudden find it the last five weeks of the season. No, I, you're right about that. You're not, and especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I think the one thing that he's talking about more than anything is, like, come on. No, there, there, there was lack of effort, lack of physicality, and just emotion, like intensity. We, we didn't see that from the Bears at all on Sunday night. I think that's really what bothered him. You know, the defense, the way they got pushed around in the run game, and Rodgers just surgically destroyed them. You know, we haven't seen that from them all year long. That's the first time we saw the defense kind of asleep at the wheel. I'm sure that really bothered him a lot. You know, Matt Nagy, yeah. I hate his offense. I don't know what to say it. I think it's a bad offense. I like him in a lot of ways as a head coach. I do think he's a good communicator. I know people that know him. I know the players there like him and all those type of things. They have one big issue. I just wish he would be a head coach if he does get to keep his job after the year. Head coach, and you got to hire an offensive coordinator. Like a real offensive coordinator, not somebody that you know or is your buddy who has the same ideas as you but totally different approach to your football team and your offense. And that is, yes, not going to be fixed to your point right now, and they're just going to have to deal with what they got for now. I don't know that he's going to get that choice. I know, right? I don't know he's going to have that opportunity. I don't know Do what's going to happen after this season. I don't know what's fair. I know. Anymore. 12 I, and look, 4 I, and 8 and 8, and now we're sitting here at 5 and 6, and I know, but it's it's you know that's, that's a tough one to me. I don't know where I feel about that. Well, and because, and, you know, yeah, I just I, I don't know because with some of these teams, I'm not sure who's making the decisions. And with some of That's these the teams, problem. you've got a, a team president like a Ted Phillips who is always insulated, who is never scrutinized. We talked about that over the weekend at PFT. There was an item that Rod Wood, the president and CEO of the Lions, isn't going anywhere. How many chances do you get as the person who can say, I don't have anything to do with football? when things are going wrong, but find a way to take credit when things are going well. That yeah. drives general managers and coaches crazy. But that's the best job to have in a football organization, number one, because it pays pretty damn well. And number two, you can easily jump under the bed when the owner is mad about the team sucking. And uh, then when it's time to make big changes, it's the president that ultimately is heavily involved in the search process and the selection process. And at some point, the president fails enough times in hiring people who can turn things around that the president has to go. So yeah. that's one of the dynamics in Chicago. What does Ted Phillips want? And does Ted Phillips believe he's got left in his bag of equity another opportunity to say we're going to hit the reset button here 
in Chicago. So I, I, I don't know what's fair or what isn't fair, but, uh, you know, to be five and one and have it all fall apart, uh, that, that, that leaves a mark and that doesn't look good. And, uh, this year, the dynamics of the pandemic could save the bears. I think some of these teams have made their moves early yeah. in the off season or during the season. So they'll have more of an opportunity in the off season to make their hires. Um, I don't know. Maybe the fact that they were five and one, maybe that gives them another right? chance. I, I don't just, know. I don't know. But they need a quarterback. They yeah, that's quarterback. what that's going to be. It's not done. Nick Foles, and it's not Mitchell Trubisky. No, you're right. It's not those two. Need a new offense, you know. And I hear, you know, listen. I I talk on Chicago stuff all the time out there in the regional sports network with NBC and all that type of stuff. I mean, yeah, it seems like it, this is one I would really think about if I'm president, owner of the Bears, whatever about I'm not going to rush to a decision because there are things again even with Ryan Pace and the Bears I know Mitchell Trubisky they messed up he messed that up Watson and Mahomes are way better it's he, he really messed that up but you know the rest of the team I don't look at the players and just go oh it's horrible the defense is a Super Bowl defense the offense with Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller and Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham and some of those guys, I mean, it's respectable. That's good. So, yeah, the offensive line's got his issues. There's there. So, that to me, that's where it's the the, the, the debate lies. It just where, like you're saying, where's the blame fall? Are we going to be able to fix some of these things in the offseason? Will Matt Nagy be open to, hey, no more offense for you. You got to bring in somebody totally new. I think those are the conversations Chicago Brass would, would have to have with that group there to see where they go. He was the coach of the year two years right. ago right. which should count for something and yeah. they were five and one and you know maybe he's making the best batch of chicken salad that he can with right. the ingredients that have been given to him but I'm not a big advocate of firing the GM and keeping the head coach because then you get everyone off schedule and right. the GM's waiting for the chance to hire his coach and then you get a situation like in Detroit where after two years you get rid of Jim Caldwell. You bring in Matt Patricia, and Patricia can never live up to Caldwell. Why'd you get rid of Caldwell? That never goes away. It's it's very difficult to have current coach, new GM. I can't think of a time where that's worked and worked well, where the two come together because the GM always has ideas as to who he wants to bring in as his head coach. Sean McVay uh, could make his offense work with a lot of different quarterbacks. Jared Goff is their guy. McVay inherited Goff, but they've paid Goff and made him a franchise quarterback. Let's listen to this question and answer from the aftermath of Sunday's loss to the 49ers. And it was on Sunday that McVay called out Goff for not taking good enough care of the football. He had three turnovers. Here's McVay on Monday, the question and answer. Let's listen and we'll react on the other side. When Jared's having a tough time like he had in Miami, like he had yesterday, at any point during those games, do you consider putting him on the bench, if not for a series or the rest of the game? You know, um, if I thought it was going to be the best thing to just take a deep breath and step away, then I'd say, you know, maybe, but not in either of those situations, because both of those reflected, you know, kind of having an opportunity where there was enough plays made to get back in it. Um, you know, Dolphins game may be a little bit different, but I thought it was important to be able to play through some of those things, learn from it, especially just based on some of the things that they were activating defensively. There was a lot more to that where he got into details about how the game against the 49ers, you know, it was 17-3, but then this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. The next thing you know, we're leading the game. So Goff's mistakes weren't fatal to the point where you had to get him off the field. And their backup is... John Walford, don't ask me where he went to college. Don't ask me how they got him. I assume he was undrafted. If he was drafted, he was drafted late in the process. It's not a name that jumps off the page. So you have to consider benching possibilities in light of who the replacement would be. But, Chris, I was struck by that response because if you have a short-list franchise quarterback and you get asked that question, what's your response? He's our What's quarterback. What's the right response? Well, yeah, what the yeah. hell are you – like, right. what are you talking – no. And, and you don't have to be a Bill Belichick-type jerk about it and roll your eyes and say we're on to Cincinnati like he did when he got a similar question about Tom Brady six years ago. But if this is clearly, unequivocally, unconditionally your guy, that's a question that has a much shorter answer. The answer is no. He's our quarterback. We don't remove – our franchise quarterback from the game for a backup 
that most people have never even heard of. Yeah. No, I, I mean, uh, agreed. I, I was surprised to originally read the long answer to that question, too. You know, I think that Sean McVay, first off, hey, he's he's great. I mean, he's honest, and he talks to people and gives us real answers, and I really respect that about him. It's not coach speak and bull crap. And, yeah, I think, again, I don't think his support for Jared Goff is publicly going to waver. I think there he got a little in too deep of, I think he's trying to tell you, yeah, I recognize it's not good from Jared Goff, but here's the reasons I wouldn't have done it in these two games or why I wouldn't have benched it. So I think he's, he's kind of acknowledging like, yeah, it's not been good. I'm not happy about it, but you know, here's the reasons I wouldn't bench him because Miami was doing this type of stuff. And you know, last week, blah, 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 blah. Either way, the fact of the matter is, come on. I mean, we know the real thing here. They were stupid to pay Jared Goff that much money. Jared Goff is a good football player. You can obviously win. But, I mean, how many times do we have to say it? When the game gets put on his shoulders, it, it's underwhelming. If they can't run and speed sweeps and play action pass and bootlegs, Jared Goff is not going to beat you throwing the ball, dissecting your defense, surgically destroying you with accurate passes, escaping the pocket and making plays. And, you know, McVay understands that. That's fine. I think he knows what golf is, but he's just saying, okay, if this is what you are, then don't then take care of the freaking football. You can't just throw a ball into Richard Sherman's, you know, chest into no man's land. You got to have feel for the pocket. Hey, this is the 49ers. They got a good front four. You can't just stand there and get waylaid when people are around you and throw a pick six that way. And then it's 7-3 and we're driving for a field goal or a score before the half. You can't scramble for three yards and fumble the freaking football. And I think that's what he's saying. Like, hey, I like it easy for you. I know what you are. The one thing I need from you is to take care of the football. And that's all I'm asking. He knows he's not going to be on Mahomes or Deshaun Watson or whatever. And I think that's where that long answer probably came from there. Well, and and uh, let, let me just say this before we go to break. I remember two years ago when I was making the argument that Jared Goff should be the first guy in this new age of quarterbacks where you can find them in the draft if yeah. you need to. And if you're a great coach, you can find a guy who can run your system that someone needs to say to one of these guys. And this is one of your pet peeves, this progression of quarterback hangs around, quarterback does well enough, quarterback gets gigantic contract that makes him one of the highest paid players in league history right. because he's a quarterback yeah. and we're going to pay him all this money because that's who we have and we're going to make him our guy. Sometimes it blows up in your face right. and we're seeing it happen with the Eagles and Carson Wentz and it could happen still. With the Rams and Jared Goff, guys yeah. taking one and two, Goff and Wentz respectively in the 2016 draft. Right. Well, uh, you know, like two, like w yeah, we're in this old school thought. I think, and I think it's about to change of this era of like, like you're talking about. We got our franchise guy. We're never going to change. Do any of that? Why? Why? First off, how many teams do we have to see have rookie quarterbacks be successful because their teams are on rookie contracts? Like the old age adage of, oh, we got to let our young quarterback develop on the sidelines for seven years before we can play him. He doesn't know how to snap. No, these guys are ready. I mean, everybody's ready. I mean, look at all of them. Every year, that, that's done. You can win and go to the playoffs as a rookie quarterback. Definitely a second-year quarterback. So I don't know why teams get married you know, in, in that way either. I really don't. And, of course, the salary implications and everything like that. But – yeah, I, I hear right. you, Mike. I think that point's very real. we got to take a break. Goats in a bad way coming up. Before we go, though, all due respect to John Wolford, Wake Forest quarterback, Jets practice squad, and a two-time player of the week for the Arizona Hotshots of the AAF before joining the Rams. So that's who John Wolford is, and that's why he's on the bench, and Jared Goff is playing. More PFT Live right after this. Oh, yeah, Bayside's back. Let's go, Saved by the Bell. Get so excited, the new original series, Saved by the Bell, is streaming now exclusively on Peacock. Bayside is back with new students, new stories, and some very familiar faces. Start streaming now, Saved by the Bell. Who would have ever thought it? My dream was to be a starting quarterback, but now I'm reading Saved by the Bell promos on TV. <laughs> That's awesome.
better you than me because <laughs> I have no idea what Saved by the Bell is. Other big than part it's a of TV my show about a school. Yeah, big part of like my age group's upbringing. I mean, that really was. That was one of those shows where you know you got home. so that explains it. Well, That's I, what we can blame. You got home from school, and that was one of those. You know, as a I don't guess I'm ten at that time, eleven, twelve. Oh yeah, let me turn on Saved by the Bell. It was uh, it was a good show. I did like it. All right, time for goats in a bad way. Chris, you've got the trivia question. All right, Cam Newton had a career-low 23.6 passer rating in the Patriots' win over the Cardinals, the lowest rating by any starting quarterback to win a game since 2012. When another AFC East QB with a misleading nickname also beat the Cardinals, who was that quarterback? Well, it had to have been Mark Sanchez. Exactly. The Sanchez. Sanchez. The Sanchez, baby. That's amazing. Um, 10 for 21 for 97 yards, zero TDs, three interceptions, 7-6 thriller, Jets win. At first, I thought it was a trick question that maybe Tim Tebow technically was the starter that game, but then I remembered the year he was the Jets, like they never let him off the sideline except to be like the – the, the punt protector. Remember, like they 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 traded for him and never actually used him. They right. didn't know what to do with him. All right, goats in a bad way. I get the first pick. I am going to start with, I, I guess I got to start, and I'm influenced by uh, last night's game. I, Carson Wentz, I, 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 don't, I just don't get it. I was on with Rich Eisen yesterday, and he asked me a question, Chris, and maybe you know the answer to it because I couldn't think of anyone. Has there been a quarterback in the last 20 years where he comes in, plays well, checks the boxes, gets paid, looks like a franchise guy, and just loses it. It's just gone. I can't think of another guy that that's happened to. It's definitely happened to Carson Wentz, so he's yeah. my first pick. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it is. But as we've talked about, it's the, the whole organization has gone down since then, too. So it, it's more than that. And, you know, you saw during the show already – Hey, the fact that he carried the team last year, it really probably hurt him this year because they went, oh, wait, we're not that bad. Our team, hey, we just stay healthy. If Alshon and Deshaun could stay healthy, we'll be different. Oh, wait, no, we're in the same boat, and it's all the same again, and it's even worse. And it's, uh, it is. It's frustrating. I feel bad. I feel bad for Carson Wentz. Um, I, I, I'm going with the whole Colts defense. I don't care. All right? They're goats in a bad way this week. The Colts defense? I mean, they went into the weekend as the number two defense in football. They got shellacked. And I know there's no DeForest Buckner, but I don't know. I just can't give you a free pass with the way the Tennessee Titans just bludgeoned you in the run game and A.J. Brown running all over the field. That was just a bad effort altogether. So the Colts, will, the Colts D will be my first goats in a bad way. Next one for me, since we were talking about it earlier and he was taking one pick before Carson Wentz, and it's possible that both guys who got paid end up being Damn. contracts that the teams regret. Jared Goff, three turnovers, called out by Sean McVay, who never calls out anyone. I feel like McVay's kind of getting to his wits end here. Not that he can really do anything about it. They are tied to Goff for at least the next couple of years. So, uh, yeah, uh, Jared Goff, three turnovers, a game they should have won. Changes the vibe dramatically about the Rams right now. Goff is the reason for it. He gets the goat horns. Yeah, I I, uh, I understand that. I do. Um, it, it's hard. That was probably going to be my next pick, actually. I'm pissed I didn't pick that number one to have that. Uh, I didn't think you were going to go back-to-back quarterback on me. All right. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Brady next. You know, I, I again, with Brady, the stats look pretty good. I get that. But it was too late. You know, too little, too late. The game was the damage had been done, and a lot of the damage was done by him. And again, I know people are sitting there going to defend everything at every last straw. And I know he's, you know, the most accomplished quarterback ever, and everybody thinks he's the greatest of all time. I just evaluate what I'm seeing right now. And when you get all those third and fives and less, and you throw two, you know, two interceptions when. Hey, it's 27 to 10. They got the ball twice and went down the field and you're going, whoa. And he throws two interceptions that, you know, made it, of course, that much harder. So, yeah, I'm going to give Brady the uh, the goat horns this week and uh, he'll he's my second pick. I, I was torn between Brady and Bruce Arians because yeah. I look, I think Brady has handled himself extremely professionally Definitely. in this whole 
strange, passive, aggressive, who are we blaming? It's clear that Bruce Arians has an issue that he's talking about publicly, and maybe he's talking about it privately, and Brady is just going about his business. And if that fight ever comes to a head, Brady is going to win because he's the guy they want back next year. If they had to choose between the two, it's going to be Brady. All right, last one for me. I went with quarterback who played, quarterback who played. I'm now going to go with three quarterbacks who didn't play. Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, and Blake Blake Bortles. Bortles, For whatever it is that happened in that meeting room last week that got them knocked out of the game because Jeff Driscoll tested positive, those guys, look, and I think that maybe the allegations against the Broncos have been trumped up a little bit by a league office that likes to blame any failures, not on the plan, but on the execution of the plan by the teams. I think that uh, regardless of that, the, those three quarterbacks deserve the blame for the Broncos having no quarterbacks on Sunday. Yeah, uh, I, I hear that. that that's, um, that's a tough one, you know. I had to do that yesterday. No no QB, no winny, okay? In Denver, you don't have a QB. You're not going to play good, okay? So that was unbelievable. My next one, I'm going back to a team thing again. All right, I'll go to Gruden and Derek Carr. Gruden and Derek Carr. I'm just picked those two. All right, but, I mean, really, the whole effort by the Raiders, that was embarrassing, but especially their offense. I mean, this is a Falcons defense that's certainly been better under Raheem Morris. I understand that. But to just get two field goals and have all those mistakes and turnovers and lay an egg a week after you look so good against the Chiefs, that was disappointing to me. So uh, they'll be my last pick for the draft. That, that is a disqualifying loss. That is the kind of thing where you should just say they're out of the playoff picture altogether. I, I would love to have that power to say, sorry, with a game like that, <laughs> you, lost too you much. don't get in. Even if you <laughs> right. win the rest of your games, that that alone. Where are you going to have out. them in We're your out. power rankings this week, uh, Mike? We'll find out. We'll find out tomorrow. We're not Actually, moving much. Let's, let's, uh, let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after. Well, Chris, I had gotten many complaints over the past month that the Raiders had not moved from number 14 in the power rankings. They had been constant week after week, win or lose. They had been at number 14. Raiders fans, good news. They've moved this week. Bad news. Uh, they've, moved. they've moved in the wrong direction. Guess where they are right now. Guess uh, where they are. From 14 to where? After 16, the 43 to 6 16, loss. 16, 19. 19. 19. 19. Whoa. That's on. Yep. Un- All right. Yep. Well, hey, everybody out there, these are Mike Florio's PFT P- power rankings. Don't get on my social media and talk to me about the power rankings. Yes, do They're it. They're Mike's. Do it. He's but send questions so we can well. talk about it tomorrow. It's his fault. He influences me. See you tomorrow, everybody. Have a great See day. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.